dangerous large uh, carnivore out there. Yeah, I saw that bird pick a young deer off the road and fly away. And uh, it was just about getting dark and we started panicking, running down the bridge, not really having any clue of storing rocks in our vicinity, good sized rocks. And uh, I stopped long enough to get a 357 out of my backpack and look back, and that's when I thought I saw one. This is your host, Gunnar Monson, along with my good friend and uh, fellow Bigfoot researcher, Shane Corson. I am also the founder of the Sasquatch Coffee Company. Check it out at www.squatchcoffee.com. Um, a little uh, good news for Monster X. We have just, uh, actually today, hit 9,800 members in uh, the Monster X group on Facebook. And... Uh, we're excited about that. We're just 200 members away from uh, um, from 10,000. So if you can go to our Facebook group, which is www.facebook.com slash groups slash MonsterX, and you can actually invite your friends to join. So um, help us get to uh, 10,000. We've been uh, adding members like crazy, so uh, we must be doing something right. With me today as Always is my good friend Shane Hardcore Corson. Shane, how are you this Sunday? Hey Gunner, I'm doing good, doing good. Had a nice relaxing weekend, a little less of the uh out in the field stuff, though I did get a nice hike in with the family and uh, right before we got some of this crazy weather moving in. And so uh yeah, you know, really really nice weekend, really relaxing um and just spent most of my time actually doing research on equipment and what I need. <laughs> Sometimes not all not all research is, takes place out in the uh, the field. I mean, uh, we were talking last because of some of the developments um, that have come out of uh, the o- OP uh, betting site that, that that Derek talked about on Monster X a few weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. We are doing some map work because it looks like some patterns came out of that. So, 
Yeah. You know, it's, yeah, as much fun as to be out in the woods, sometimes some of the work is actually, you know, uh, not field work, so. Well, sometimes you bring the, the field back with you, uh, especially if you got uh, ideas or, you you know, pieces of evidence or whatnot. So you got to do some research at home, and sometimes that's taking what you've learned in the field and vetting it um, at home. Or just uh, you know, like I said, doing map map work and whatnot, which is very important. And uh, so, yeah, a uh, good a good portion is done at home, and so it is a full time job. It really is. If you take the subject serious, as many people do, it's a full time job, uh, just without the uh, paycheck. Well, I'm I'm excited because one of my favorite uh, things, in, as being a having a Bigfoot interest, is hearing a people's encounter stories, and uh, we have a guest today that is that uh, is going to share his encounter with us. Um, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce our guest, Shane? Well, our guest is Alex, and, had, and, and this individual had their encounter uh, back in 1978 um, in the Hood River area, which is historically... Uh, it's a, on. It's in the gorge here in Oregon. It's uh, you know, Finding Bigfoot did a show out there not too long ago, a town hall, uh, for good reason because this area has uh, historically, like I said, a lot of sightings. Uh, whether it's roadside sightings, um, um, there's a very mountainous range. It's uh, below Mount Hood, uh, beautiful area, and like I said, tons of reports from this area and still to this day, and so. I am going to, uh, I believe our guest is with us now, so I'm going to bring Alex on to the show. Alex, uh, Hi. Shane Corson here. Hey, how you doing? Excellent. Yourself? I'm fantastic, man. It's fantastic and, and really happy uh, uh, that you uh, you uh, could join us. Uh, I reached out to you a while back, and um, you agreed to, to come on the show and, and just share your mm-hmm. encounter, and it's pretty extraordinary and uh you know having read it and, and uh kind of just looked at it and then i you know of course as i always do after an encounter report or reading something i do a little bit of historical background on the area of the encounter fortunately for myself i know a lot about that area that particular area and some of the the uh sightings that have come out from that area so um yeah so thank you so much for joining us again you're welcome so Alex, do you mind telling us a little bit about uh, about what you were doing out in Hood River and a little bit, uh, you know, I know you were out there visiting your grandparents. I don't know how often you were out there, how for the, how long you were out there for. Uh, so you mind tell us a little bit about the area and, and how you came to be out there? Uh, my grandma and grandpa lived right across from an apple orchard, and uh, we used to go up there and pick apples during the summertime. And uh, during various parts of the season, and that's what we were doing up there. It was uh, the July 4th weekend um, in 1978, and uh, we'd been up picking apples uh, because my grandparents live on Old Portland Road in Hood River. Well, they don't anymore. They both passed away, and the property's gone to someone else. But uh, we lived right across at the time from an apple orchard. And uh, so we were up there picking apples. We went home. My grandma was making stuff, and I went to sleep, and that's when it all 
jumped off when I woke up. And was this an area, I mean, was this, how often did you, were you uh, up in uh, Hood River, uh, you know, visiting your grandparents? Was this like a one-time thing or? No, I was up there quite a bit. Quite a bit. Um, and, yeah, we. I, I had been there probably four to five times a year, every year since I was a little boy. So gotcha. um, we, we did go up there periodically, not every day or every week, but, you know, every few months. Okay, awesome. And, and so we'll get into your actual encounter now. So uh, you're up there visiting your grandparents, um, and mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, uh, went to bed, and we'll pick mm-hmm. it up from there. Uh, what time did you go to bed, and what time did this occur? Um, I went to bed about 9 o'clock p.m., and uh, I woke up around 1.30. I had to use the restroom, and uh, I went to use the restroom. I came back into the bedroom, and the bedroom was the bedroom I was in, it had two windows, one on the right, one on the left. The one on the left is where I saw the creature at. Um, we had a light with a, with a sensor on it for my grandpa when he would come out. He would get up early in the morning um, to to go to work, and then he would drive up the road and go, and he would do that so that he could see to get in his car early in the morning when it was still dark. Anyway, I'm coming back into the bedroom, and all of a sudden the light snaps on, and I'm like, wow, it's kind of early for my grandpa to be out there, but I thought maybe he had to go into work early, so I went to wave at him. And standing across from us, like about five feet away, um, was something right out of a nightmare. I mean, I'm I'm shaking talking about it right now. I apologize. It's still, even though all these years, it still affects me when I think about it because that was not something I ever expected to see. Um, you hear about stuff like that, but that's just myths and legends until you actually see one. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes it, it, perfect sense. Perfect sense, yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but, you saw this thing. I mean, uh, where where were you? Were you in bed? You were standing up, Correct. I was standing up, I was facing the window, and uh, it raised its hands over its eyes, not paws, hands, paw, not paws, hands. People are always asking me, did you see a bear? Was it a bear? I'm like, no, it didn't have paws, it had hands, huge freaking hands, like shovels, um, like, like just huge. I can't even really adequately describe how big they were. So it brings its hand up over its eyes, and then it's kind of looking, squinting, and it looks at me, and I locked eyes with it, and uh, uh, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I mean, I've heard Bigfoot reports from other people, but nobody's ever saw an albino one that I've ever heard of. Um, It was very clearly albino, although a lot of albino people that I've seen have white skin. This this fellow had pink skin, and he had long white hair, probably about three to four inches long on his arms and his body. Um, and I actually smelled it, and it, it smelled like wet dog rolling in sulfur or decayed matter or something like a compost pile or something. It smelled just hideous, and it was just like, it was huge. I mean, this thing was like 
I mean, probably three to four feet at the shoulders at least. Um, and I'm only estimating, remember I'm a kid and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 this isn't funny. Ha ha. It's, it's actually, it's kind of weird reliving it because it's like, I'm right back there again. You know what I mean? And, yeah, I, uh, so yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, uh, no, I, I, you know, th- you know, I got to thank you for, you know, talking about this. Cause I, I, you know, you've never been on, uh, I know you've shared your encounter a little bit with, with, you know, a few people in the group or whatnot, but you've not been on a, a show to, and, and when you're talking about it uh, to someone else, you know, and I've interviewed a lot of people, and when when they've truly seen something, you could feel it or you could read it through them, you you know, and i got to say thank you so much for, for telling us this, this encounter. I know it, uh, you know, it had a lasting impact on you, and uh, so, you know, once again, thank you. But I do want to ask you, Alex. So, mm-hmm. staying at the window, how can you describe? Were these ground uh, from you know ground windows? Uh, were the, how far were the windows from uh, the ground? Our, our windows were about six feet off the ground. Six feet off the ground. Um, yeah, because the land that my grandpa owned it sloped a little bit, and so when they built the house, um, the windows were higher than the ground. Even though on the rest of the house they're you know, not too far above ground level. On the other end of the house, there was kind of an incline and then a kind of a steep downward thing. And uh, so the window there would be about six feet off the ground. And, and uh, when it saw me and it it was seeing me and stuff through the light, it got curious, I guess, and came up to the window and it put its hands on the sides of its eyes and it it looked into the window at me and it was squinting really bad and it had like really have you ever seen albino rabbits how they have those weird pink eyes you know what I i'm know, talking that, about I, does that make yeah, sense yeah i know yeah actually unfortunately I've, I've raised rabbits before i know exactly what you're talking about they're they're very odd looking uh and, and that's kind it of had, what you saw looking back at you yes it had reddish pink eyes um it had pink skin i could see it had no hair on its face its hands or the bottom of its feet i could tell because when it walked away from me there was no hair on its feet at all and uh but i i could see the skin very clearly and it was a weird pink color and it's just i i don't know i was absolutely terrified i i I couldn't move. I couldn't speak. I, I literally couldn't do anything. I was just frozen, and yeah. uh, it had it had to bend over to look in the window. So I'm estimating seven and a half, eight, eight and a half feet tall, somewhere in there, um, would be my best guess. And yeah. uh, so it looks in the window. I'm staring at it, and it it. Uh, I don't know what happened, but finally I was able to speak, and I let out kind of a like that, and I (laughs) I screamed, you know, and finally I was able to get some words out, and I was like, you know, I was like, ah, you know, and I was screaming, and this 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 guy looked surprised. I mean, he got a surprised expression on his or her, I don't know what face. Um, It 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 was just the strangest thing. 
it kind of jumped back a little bit, and it its eyes opened real wide like a person when they're surprised. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it it, it kind of like had one hand up like to its chest, kind of like in sticking out in front, um, not with the palm toward the chest, the palm away from the chest, like it was ready to defend itself or something. I don't know, like warding it off an attack or something. I don't know how to put it better than that. But anyway, it it then um, it turned around and it started walking away, and uh, it let out this screech. I will never ever forget that screech in the it, it till the day I die. I will remember that like I'm standing there right now today, and it doesn't sound like Finding Bigfoot. Or, it is not or any of that garbage. It didn't sound like that at all. I don't even think I can reproduce it. But it was a high-pitched squealing. It almost sounded like a stallion, like a horse when it's being hurt or like it's being attacked or something. It almost mm-hmm. sounded like that, but it was like, you know, it, it was really high-pitched. And it was like, <laughs> kind of like that, but it was like much more deeper, much more resonating, and it was just intense. And it, I could feel it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to ask you. I could feel it. Just going to ask you that. Yeah. Whatever it, whatever tones it was letting out, I could feel it in my body, like it, it almost like it reached out and grabbed a hold of me or something. I don't. I know that sounds weird, and I'm sorry. I'm not like the psychic Bigfoot guy or Bigfoot's a UFO guy or whatever. I don't believe any of that garbage. But I, I, I can't help but say that that's the only way I could describe it. Because it, when it did it, it, it felt like it was inside my body or something. I don't know. It was weird. Mm-hmm. I can't really explain that. So I'll well, stop yeah, unless I, I sound like I'm insane or something. Well, Alex, this is Gunnar here. I, I mean, it sounds mm-hmm. like more like a vibration than a, than a, I mean, it's not right. like a physical presence. It's, you're talking no, about it's not a physical reverberation. presence. It was like, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Thank you. That is exactly yeah. right. Thank you, sir. And that that actually is fairly common, commonly reported in in a lot of like close uh, audio events like that, where some, where someone sees a bigfoot and and it screams at them. That it's not it's not uncommon for that to be reported. Like they feel a vibration. Then you figure figure if something that large is is uh, screaming at you from a close distance. And you said it was it was pretty close to your you you were not far away from it, right? You no, you I was about three to four feet it? away from it. I was standing in the middle of my bedroom, and the, so, the middle of the bedroom is about three three and a half feet away from the window. So I mean, you were you were really close. So I, I got a really good look at it. I have no doubt in my mind what it was. And and the next just, the uh, next day, what? sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Eric. Alex. Okay. I, I was just going to say that um, my grandpa came into the room shortly after I screamed, and uh, he was like, what, what? And I couldn't talk. I, I, I was just, I, I I don't, I couldn't process what I'd just seen. It took me a long time to finally calm down and tell him what I saw, and the first thing he said was that, I don't know if I can say it, but the D word, D-A-M-N, apes are back. 
and he didn't say the bears are back, the elk are back, the moose are back. He said the apes are back, and he would never explain to me what he meant. He wouldn't talk about it. He just turned really white, and he wouldn't talk about it. But years later, my grandma told me that he used to be a lumberjack up there in Hood River, and they used to go into, like, Mount Hood National Forest before it was, like, whatever, um, and they would log. Um, And they said that the Bigfoots would break. She said that they would break the axes of the people, and she said that they would destroy the equipment that they used um, to haul the logs or to cut them every night, and that they'd tear up their camps and they'd destroy all their stuff, and eventually they'd just leave. So, um, I don't know. My grandpa was pretty freaked out by the whole thing. But uh, we we checked the next day. It left 22-inch footprints, um, and its footprints sank an inch and a three-quarters into dry ground. My grandpa's barely even made a scratch on the surface. Um it whatever it was it weighed a hell of a lot more than my grandpa my grandpa was like six foot probably about 250 or so and uh he he didn't even leave an impression and the stride length was about five feet roughly i think if i recall correctly and uh so when your grandpa came in the room he and you told him what you saw his response was the, the damn apes are back. That's what he said. I didn't know if I could say the D word on <laughs> FPC or whatever, yeah. so I didn't want to. <laughs> I, I didn't want to get you guys in trouble, so I didn't say it. But that's what he said. Yes. Yeah. That, I mean, that's so he obviously had 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 previous. It wasn't something that was unfamiliar to him. Mm-hmm. Or, or my yeah. grandmother. She's my grandmother has told me many times before she passed away that. Uh, People saw them um, for years in Hood River, Odell, the Dalles, um, all around that area. She said that they had a long history of Bigfoot sightings ever since. She said that it went back to the Native Americans, and then she said that um, ever since white people had been there, they'd been seeing them too. So. Mm-hmm. You know, very, very interesting stuff in a couple of uh, – well, I'll tell you, Alex, I had – you mentioned the Mount Hood National Forest. I had an encounter and a sighting back in 2011, and as a crow flies from Hood River, it's not much. Let me tell you, it's not much. No, it's not. It's not. And uh, I, over the years, I've gained many uh, an encounter reports and talked to a lot of eyewitnesses. One of the unique things about your encounter, for me personally, and for maybe many of our listeners, you know, the reports of albino sasquatches are pretty rare and. Most, uh, I would say predominantly most reports are not in the Pacific Northwest. They're usually um, Ohio area and east. So this report to me, when I read it, it, you know, it it was very intriguing and interesting because you just don't hear a lot of albino reports. And your detail, um, you know, one of the things that when you you talk to people, you know, know, most of the times when they describe a Sasquatch, it's your typical description and especially out here in the Pacific Northwest, and you described an albino, and you described the eyes because you're really close to this thing, and the eyes are very intriguing, you know, how you described them. Uh, what other what other facial features could you make out? You talked about no no hair on the face, but could you make out, uh-huh. uh, and you talked a little bit about the color, 
but can you right. describe the face a little bit more? The nose, possibly the mouth. Yeah, the mouth was like like uh, it had lips, but they were really thin, and it it just it didn't strike me as remarkable the mouth because it didn't open its mouth um, when I was looking at it. When it got surprised, it just opened its eyes wide and stepped back. Um, so as far as, you know, the mouth, I can't really say exactly just that it was there and there were definitely lips, but they weren't very noticeable. I know that sounds crazy, but that's, that's what I saw. Yeah. Um, as far as the nose, the nose was flat. Um, not like an ape exactly. Um, but maybe a little more protruding than an ape's, but kind of like that a little bit. And uh, its eyes were really small and set real close together. Um, I'm not sure why I, I I don't know, but as far as the ears and stuff, um, I couldn't really see them. They were covered by hair. Um, But as far as the face, the nose, was I don't know it was just it was really weird and it was flat looking um and uh the jaw was very interesting it had a really strong jaw its jaw kind of protruded a little bit the the bone or whatever in the jaw it stuck out a little bit um yeah, mandible. and and right and uh the lower jaw or whatever I guess you in the mandible I guess you'd call it and mm-hmm. its forehead its forehead protruded a little bit. Um, it, it looked kind of like the like the drawings I've seen in school of cavemen or something. Like it uh-huh. had a, a brow ridge that stuck out a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it, it had like eyebrows and everything, but they were like all white, just like the rest of its hair. And uh, they were really long and bushy. And um, the head was domed like a mountain-like and uh it it i don't know um as far as the neck it had no neck at all its head appeared to be set squarely on its shoulders um if if that makes any sense that's oh, yeah. that's pretty much what i saw yeah no it makes it makes uh, perfect sense yeah go ahead gunner no alex how how old were you at the time of your encounter I was uh, seven, going on eight. And so you're, so you wake up, and you, to, I mean, you've been asleep. You wake up. What time was it when, when uh, you had the encounter? It was around one thirty a.m., roughly. So you get up and you th- you see the light, and and you assume it's your your grandpa going to work, and you peek out right. the window to to wave goodbye to him, and uh, right. Instead, you you uh, have this, and when you first saw the the creature, um, was it? Did you see its face, or just because um, it sounds like it was taller than the window? No, I saw its chest, and it's um, it was standing back a little ways, so I couldn't really see the face exactly, but I could see it from the chest down, and. It had really long arms, like way longer than a person's arms, and they were like thick and muscular, the legs and the arms and the chest and the shoulders. 
very, very thick and muscled. I mean, this thing looked like, and I've, I've told people this before, it looked like it could rip the foundation right off our house, right off the foundation and throw it away and not even break a sweat. That's how muscular this guy was. And when I saw that, it my mind just went blank. I, I, I don't know how to put it. It was like, you know, a nightmare came to life. It was like you're seeing something that shouldn't exist or shouldn't be there. And yet it was. And it's like, I don't know. It's it's just bizarre. It's like my mind just went dark or black or blank or something, and I just I, I had trouble processing what I was seeing exactly. If that of makes course. sense. Well, that's, well, it makes. I mean, because you're a seven year old kid. Did you have any? Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard of Bigfoot before that, or or watched any shows I'd about heard, it? I, I'd heard no. I'd heard stories, um, but they were just like stuff that my uncles told to scare people you know what i mean they'd like you know you'd go in like a campfire at night or something when you're camping and you'd tell ghost stories and they'd tell stories about bigfoot but i didn't put any credence in that you know i've never seen a fairy i've never seen a an elf i've never seen a you know anything like that so that's kind of in the realm of where i had put bigfoot um you know that that's something that they tell stories to scare kids or something you know, so they don't go too far or whatever. That's what I thought it was. And unfortunately, I was quite wrong. <laughs> and Alex, now now you're, you're, you're looking at this thing, and I, I want to get back to the face a little bit. Um, were the mm-hmm. nostrils, uh, you know, uh, this is a question from our chat, were they out facing? I mean, could you make out the nostrils at all? Were they facing out or were they, you know, large you know, you mentioned a flat kind of nose, but not quite ape-like. The nostrils, um, from the angle and the way it was looking, I can't. I didn't really get a look at the nostrils. It did step back, but it didn't change the position of its head. So I can tell you from what I saw on the sides of the nose that they did stick out. I mean, like, there were nostrils, um, and I would say they're bigger than mine. But um, as far as, like, other things, I can't really say mm-hmm. if that gotcha. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And the eyes, were they, you described the eyes, but were they were they large, small, uh, oval-shaped, they were round? Small. Small? No, they were, they were really small and round, and they were set real close together, like um, maybe about a quarter of an inch apart. Okay. Gotcha. And they were, like, really close together, and it... It looked a little bit like I don't know, like uh, shoot, I don't even know how to tell you what it looks like. I mean, <laughs> no, okay. I'm sorry, I, I don't. It just, it, it's. I mean, I'm like, I'm like sweaty right now talking to you about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and that's. I, I'm sense, sorry you really if I'm had nervous nothing... or whatever. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, not at uh, all. Yeah. Not at all. I appreciate it, but. You, you really had nothing to compare it to because it's, it this wasn't supposed to be there, correct? I mean, wasn't supposed to correct. be there. This came out of a nightmare as you described it, and so you really right. have nothing to compare it to. And um, so, yeah. But did did you happen to see any? Uh, I mean, was there any teeth? Did you ever, or just the whole time you it saw it? It never opened mouth, its mouth. Never opened its mouth. It never opened its mouth. Not once. It might have when it walked away from me, but it was walking away from me when it let out that screech, and I I didn't see it. So it didn't show any teeth to me when I saw it. 
What about your bedroom? Now, you, you described the light that it walked into. W- was there any light in your bedroom at the time, or were you purely seeing this thing from the light from the uh, light outside? Light outside. Mm-hmm. Um, the light outside, um, it lit up the whole area in front of the bedroom, and it came, it actually, because of the angle that my grandpa had it at, it would come into the room and light up part of the room. And the part of the room that was lit up was where I was standing. It wasn't brightly lit, but it was lit up enough to where it could see me and I could see it. Yeah, it it sounds like, you know, you said it it kind of covered its eyes. It put its hands up to its eyes and kind of covered it. Like the light kind of uh, uh, threw it for a loop maybe or it it bothered it, blinded it, yeah. I don't think it expected to see a light snap on, and I think it was maybe worried. I don't mm-hmm. know. Um, but it's not a big enough to it, really I mean, be it, worried. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it approached your window, so it, it, it maybe you know, and I don't know. I'm <laughs> guessing here is probably as much as you are, but maybe it's. Did you move at any point in the room after you saw this thing? Did it see movement possibly, or you know, why did? It, why do you think you it know, approached your window? I think because it saw me in there and it was curious. I, I I know that I've read um, in books that albinos tend to be ostracized by others of their kind. And I just have the really crazy feeling, and I have nothing to base this on. I have no evidence. I have no anything. I kind of felt like it was lonely. You know what I mean? And I don't know why I think that. I, I couldn't tell you why I had that impression, but I do. I, I think that it was lonely, and I think maybe it just wanted to, I don't know, yeah. hang out, see something, see somebody, you know, maybe just, you know, another person. I don't know. I, I the, can't explain why it did what it did. I can only tell you what I felt. And obviously, I mean, it sounds to me like, you know, if, if something was coming into or by that house, um, it would know that light would turn on or, or would, you know, it would it would prepare for it. Sounds like it, it was probably a one-time thing or it was just blown away. It that never it came back again that I'm aware of. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You know, and, and it, the light, you know, and it was there and maybe possibly saw movement in the bedroom or saw you and, and walked up to get a closer look and, you know, realized it maybe had been seen and whatnot and was, you know, it's all speculation. Who knows? But it's, it's so uh, interesting you know, seeing this albino, I mean, was the hair, uh, was it a, uh, you described albino, was it a dirty white? Could you make that out, or was it more like a real white? It was white. Um, It did have dirt on it, like it had been rolling in the mud or something, but the hair itself, where the dirt wasn't, was white, like bleach blonde white or something, you know what I mean? Like, lighter than that, but it was like white, like, um... No other color in the hair at all, just white. Was it matted or or, uh, kind of, uh, you know, can you describe the hair a little bit more? I know you described the length, but was it matted? Yeah, it was matted matted where the dirt was. Um, Like I said, it looked like it had been rolling in in the mud or something. My grandpa had a little um, pond which he had made on the property, and... uh, I'm wondering if maybe it was out there because we had my grandpa put fish in the pond, um, little trout and stuff, and and he used to like go out there and feed them and whatnot, and we could like catch and release them in the pond. 
and I think maybe it was probably back there messing around trying to catch the fish. That would be my guess, but I won't be, I can't tell you that. I just yeah. know that it was dirty and it looked like it had been rolling in mud. Yeah, well, you did. I mean, you did describe the you know the apple orchard nearby. Uh, I mean, that's also something too. It could very yeah. well have been interested in that. I don't and, know. And, um, one of and, our neighbors said they saw one over there picking apples, but it wasn't the one I saw. Uh huh. Well, Hood River to this day has a lot of orchards, uh, a lot of orchards and apple orchards, uh, as well as other fruit. So, uh, you know, it's a hop, skip, and stone throw away from Mount Hood and from the real deep forests uh, in that area, uh, you know, and you have this uh, easy pickings uh, sort of scenario as far as food. Um, you know, um, it it kind of, you know, were, were, there, were there apples um, currently on the trees uh, at that point? Yeah. There were yeah. on the ground too. Yeah, yeah. Oregon's got a a weird, you know, uh, cycle as far as uh, uh, fruits and whatnot. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, anything else uh, that stuck out to you? Uh, I mean, that you can remember from from this sighting. You know, this thing took off. Uh, I mean, was there anything else that stuck on your head that that uh, you just you know? The scream or the, the kind of horse-like scream that you described obviously is stuck in your head uh, forever, something that uh, you refer to. Was there anything else uh, that, I mean, its manner, you, can you describe its manner? Uh, it, you said it, it seemed inquisitive, curious possibly, you know, anything else? It wasn't else that aggressive, out? not once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't aggressive, not once. It didn't make it move toward me even when I let out a scream, it didn't like you know do anything violent at all. Now that you mention it, I didn't really think about that, but it never did. It didn't like the whole time. It just seemed curious. It didn't seem to want to hurt me or hurt anything. I think if I don't know if if I you know was probably a better person, maybe I would have treated it differently. I don't know, um, but. All I know is that just, I don't know, it, it it did seem very curious about what I was doing or what was going on. Uh, beyond that, I really can't say. Um, but I told you is pretty much what sticks out in my mind. Yeah. And you know that, you know, the area there and even up to the Dalles, uh, that whole area huge history with Sasquatch uh, reports encounters. Peter Burns, I don't know if you're familiar with the name Peter Burns, that used to be his old stomping grounds, and he took in, uh, he, he put in a huge amount of time researching uh, between the Dalles and, and Hood River, Mount Hood, that whole area out there, and really thought um, that based on the reports, and many of the reports he took in were uh, of a short period of time, that there was somewhat of a I don't think he used the word migration route, but traveling route uh, movement. And you're kind of smack dab in the middle, that area of where he researched. Uh, and like I said, he took in many reports uh, and used to have a Bigfoot, uh, I think it was a museum in the Dallas. But um, it's, uh, have, you, uh, have you since heard of other reports in that area or talked to anybody that kind uh, of, kind of, um, kind of Added to uh, what you saw, uh, you know, had you know what I'm saying? 
Um, the last time I heard of anything there was when my grandma, uh, she sent me a clipping from the Hood River newspaper. Um, I believe it was in 1992. I do not remember what month it was, um, but that was the last I heard. A couple of boys had seen one down by a creek, um, and they said it was messing around in the water, and they didn't really say what it was doing. But as far as that, that's the last I'd heard. Um, once my grandparents had passed away, I pretty much, we didn't really have any business up there, so I haven't really kept in touch with it since then. Yeah, yeah. No, and understandably, you know, but it is also intriguing that, you know, that your grandpa said, you know, the the apes are, those damn apes are back. That, that, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, what were your thoughts, what, were going, what was going through your head when he said that? You know, I mean, you kind of, kind of, um, you know, agreed with what you had seen in some aspects. And, and, I mean, as a kid, you're probably going, you know, wow, I mean, I really did see what I saw, you know, given your grandpa's, uh, given your grandpa's response. Yeah. I, I felt like, like he understood what I'd seen. And, uh, my grandma just, you know, she was later on, she told me, she says, it's probably best if you don't tell too many people. She said, Lee used to go out, and that's my grandpa, used to go out and tell people, but she said they all made fun of him, and they'd ask him if he'd been drinking. My grandpa never drank a day in his life. You know, he didn't smoke. He didn't do drugs. He wasn't crazy. He was a farmer and a lumber. He worked at a sawmill, and he worked on his farm, and that's pretty much what he did. My grandpa was probably one of the most honest people I ever met, and, uh, you know, for him to say that was huge. Because he wasn't—he was one of those people who was very quiet, but when he said something, he always got straight to the point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And okay. and so when he when he said that, I felt grateful to him because then I I said to myself, okay, I'm not insane. You know, somebody else knows these things are real too, and that began for me a lifelong quest not to find Bigfoot, but to try to understand it. So that, you know, I I can, I mean, I had nightmares for years after this. Um, Even now, every probably three to four years, I I, I dream about that. And I'm right back there and I can see it and I can hear it and I can, it's like I'm right there again. But um, now I'm not scared of it anymore as much as, okay, I'm lying. Let's, Let's tell the truth. I'm terrified of it, and I don't ever want to see a Bigfoot again, ever. I have absolutely zero desire to ever see a Bigfoot again. I have never been hunting, camping, or anything out in the deep woods since then. Because if I know those guys are around, I don't go where those places are. I avoid them like the plague. Because I saw that once, and it, it messed with my head for years, and I don't want to go through that again. You know what I mean? Yeah. If that well, makes very sense. understandable, yeah, no, very understandable, uh, and and I, I get you know you're you're not the only one uh, that has uh, once they've had especially at a young age. I, I think that's part of the part of um, the hindrance of going out back out. You know, you, you see the thing; it's not supposed to be there, uh, and it looks like a monster, especially to a kid. And it, it, it approaches your window and leaves, leaves out a huge scream. Uh, I, I understand, and um, hopefully, and peeks um, at you. yeah, eats at you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, looks down in the window at you, yeah. So, yep. so uh, Alex, what what was the length of the... I mean, it doesn't sound like it was a really long encounter. How long did the whole encounter last? I'd say probably maybe about 40, 50 seconds tops. And I'm I'm only guessing because I, I will have to tell you this. It seemed like time was really slow when I was watching this. I can't explain that. But it, it seemed like everything had slowed down. I don't know if that's because my adrenaline was gone crazy or what, but it just everything seemed to slow down. So I'm really guessing as to how long it was. I know it wasn't a long time, um, but I, I can't really say. I'm I'm purely guessing when I say 40 or so seconds. That's that's a guess at best. Right. So that and I'm yeah, just not, I'm not just being time, honest. Yeah, well, it, it's funny because time is kind of relative because, you know, some a minute can be a long time or a minute can be a really short time. I imagine when you're seeing, uh, you're a seven-year-old kid looking at your bedroom window and seeing what you saw, um, that that a minute is a really long time. It's an inter- eternity. I don't know. It seemed, It seemed to me like, a long time, but not not really. I I, I don't know. I, I I know I'm probably not explaining myself very well, and I apologize. But that event was so traumatic that um, it's only really in the last few years that I've even really been talking about this. Um, I've started sharing it with different folks just to try to let it go process it and move on you know what i mean and that's that's kind of why i agreed to do this interview tonight Mm -hmm. just so that you know if anybody else is out there i just want them to know that they're not crazy okay not everybody who sees a bigfoot is seeing a guy in a costume we're not all drunks we're not all liars we're not all drug addicts we're not all goofballs or whatever sometimes you see something and you doubt you know, you try to make yourself not believe it. I just want you to know that please tell your listeners that if they see something like that, they need to tell somebody who they can trust about it. Not everybody, but somebody who will listen to them, not tell them they're crazy or tell them they're a liar or whatever, and just let them get it out of them. I think one of the worst disservices that we've done to people is to tell them that it's a bear or it's a deer or it's a moose or an elk like like a person who grew up in the woods is too stupid to understand the difference between a bear and a bigfoot. I've seen black bears, brown bears, polar bears. Um, I've seen what the the uh, spirit bears. What do you, what do you call them? Those uh, America or, um, Ursus Americanus. Those uh, bears that look like brown bears, but they're like white or something. I've yeah, seen I those. Um, I've seen those. I've seen every kind of bear that is in North America or the surrounding areas, and I can tell you that was no bear. So when people try to tell me it was a bear, I find that insulting. Yeah, well, you described the hands as hands and not paws and, uh, you know, large as shovels. I mean, that's that's a huge hand. I mean, that's huge. But one of the one of the things that really hurt me was not being able to talk about it to anybody except my grandma, you know, 
um, that helped. But, you know, I, I wish that my friends would have taken what I said more seriously and not ridiculed me or mocked me or made fun of me. Um, I did, I did try to go on a radio station one time. They were very rude. They, you know, were making snide comments. They said that I was probably too drunk and I was like at seven years old, really, you know, and it's like, I don't know, but I, I know that I digress. That's not on topic. I apologize. I just want to throw that out there. Actually, Alex, it's it's very germane to the topic because a lot of people um, that have a Bigfoot encounter experience a lot of the same things that you're describing. Um, I I know that I've interviewed a lot of people that had encounters. In fact, um, uh, Larry Turner, who is part of our our research group, that and uh, I was the first person he had shared a, a story with that he from an encounter he had like 30 years previously, just for those very mm-hmm. same reasons. I don't want people to to think I'm crazy. I don't want, you know, I'm not going to tell anybody because I don't, and I don't want to be made fun of or, you know, people to think that I'm right. nuts. And that, so that is a very, your experience is, a, is very similar to a lot of Bigfoot witnesses. Um, they don't know who to talk to. Um, and, and sometimes when they do tell people, they, the the response is not what they you know, it's not supportive, and the easiest thing for people that don't want to think about the phenomenon that that these things exist is to be dismissive. And uh, I, another witness that I talked to um, had had that experience. They they'd had a, a sighting. They told some members of their family and and uh, met with you know ridicule and teasing, and and so they didn't tell anybody for like another thirty years. So. Um, yeah, that kind of. I mean, that is that is a a fairly common response from, you know, and if you're a seven year old kid, but you tell somebody and you get that get uh, that kind of response, you're not going to tell a lot of people. So again, we appreciate that you are willing to come on and and uh, share your experience, even though you're you know it, your first experience on a radio show was not was not positive. And if you you yeah. Unfortunately, the media right now, you know, likes to to make any Bigfoot story that they do is is humorous or and mocks basically mocks the topic. And not everybody's a fan of Finding Bigfoot, but the one one of the things for me that Finding Bigfoot has has done um, has allowed witnesses to to uh, come forward and talk to people. You share their experiences without fear of being rebuilt. It's kind of opened up uh, on a, the public awareness that that there are a lot of people that have had these kind of experiences and they're not alone. So that you know, it, yeah, that, that has been a, a valuable um, service that for me that Finding Bigfoot has provided for the public. So, and, and you know, let I me agree. pipe in for a second here. You know, first of all, I, I know these things exist. I won't claim to know what they are. I won't claim to know what they do, but these things, uh, Sasquatch exists. They are real. I have no problem saying that. I have no shame there. They, uh, they are real. Uh, my goal uh, is for more people like yourself, Alex, and I'm so glad you came on the show and that we can provide a platform for you, and I hope that others will will hear this and, and feel comfortable uh, in, in joining us or speaking to us, even in private. You know, I get a lot of private reports that people don't want it shared. 
but uh, as an avenue to talk about this. These things are real. I would love to find out what they are and what they do and what they're about. That's my goal. And uh, um, it is what it is. You can't get around that. So nope. at the end of the day, you know, you just you, you live with it and you uh, deal with the ridicule and everything else. But I'm at the point now where I just don't, you know, and for many people, uh, I mean, you joined our show today, so obviously you have a, a bit of uh, the opinion that, you know, you know, it's taking a long time to get here, but I'm glad you could join us and, and talk about this. But I'm at the point now where, you know, I just don't, I don't care. Uh, I know these things exist, and I know that uh, just around the corner, um, there's there's that chance and opportunity to prove it. And I know it's coming. I, I just know it is. And that's been said many times before. And some people don't want it proven. Some people do. But I think it's important. And I think uh, I hope to validate uh, personally uh, people like you uh, by helping solve uh, this 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 puzzle uh, one day. You know, you know what I'm saying, Alex. And I really appreciate you uh, taking time to come out and speak with us tonight uh, to an audience, share your encounter and to have a voice on this, because uh, I, I find you very uh, truthful and compelling. Thank you. You as well. Appreciate that. All right. Is is there, um, you know, uh, it's been a very fascinating uh, almost first hour here talking about your encounter. Is there anything else you'd like to say or share uh, on this on this matter? Just really quickly. I, I Absolutely. Just, I, I really, really thank you very much for the opportunity to speak with you. I find this very it's like a burden off my chest. You know what I mean? Um, and I, I'm, I'm truly grateful to you for doing what you do. Um, and for the opportunity to speak. And if I may, I would just like to say to the listeners, the Bigfoot is definitely real. Whether you believe, disbelieve, okay, that's fine. You know, if people want to say it's a guy in a monkey suit, my question to them would be, were guys in monkey? Is there a society of guys in monkey suits that have been jumping out on people in the middle of the road since the dark ages? Because um, my grandmother on my father's side is Yupik, Alaska native, and they have what they call hairy man. Their legends go back to pre-Europeans, no Europeans being here at all. And you know, my challenge to them is: if you want to see a Bigfoot, you've got to go into the places where these guys are. Um, they don't typically always come into where you are. Sometimes you have to go to where they are if you want to encounter them. So all these armchair quarterbacks who like to criticize me on YouTube or, you know, tell me that I'm crazy or it was just the guy in a fursuit, um, you know, I, I would challenge them to, you know, prove to me that there's a group of hoaxers and pranksters that have been doing this since like the uh, 1100 A.D. time frame on, you know, because it gets ridiculous. Either every Native American tribe who has a specific name for these creatures is lying or they're telling the truth and these people need to get a grip, realize that this is not only a creature that has existed for thousands of years, but that it needs protection, you know, from logging, from, you know, uh, one of the one of the guys said that uh, they were crop dusting, and they said they they that a bigfoot came out and it was like coughing and choking, and it ran off. And you know, there's stuff like that going on all over the world. People need to take a look at that. The more trees you cut down and stuff like that, the more you're cutting into their habitat. 
And I just want to encourage people to stand up and do something. You know, even if you don't believe they exist, fine. You know, there's bears, there's deer, there's elk. If we kill them off, then, you know, that's a vital link in a chain that all goes away. So regardless of whether we believe in Bigfoot or don't believe in Bigfoot, at least please try to try to act responsibly. And when someone says that they saw a Bigfoot, if you know them, you know they're not a crazy they're not a liar. They're not somebody who makes up stories. They're not the town drunk. Don't tell them they're a liar, a drunk, or that they saw a bear. Please don't do that. It is a huge disservice not only to the the entire world that's trying to understand Bigfoot, but it's a huge disservice to that person as well. Because sometimes we just really need to talk. You know, we don't need you to fix it. We don't need you to tell us what it is. We just need you to hear us, believe us, accept that we believe what we saw even if you don't and just let it go because once you talk about it get it off your chest it's done it's over and that's all i got man that's all i got i i hope i haven't taken too much of your time oh absolutely no. uh, not we appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your encounter it's awesome all right well Co- thank you very much things, yeah. with your permission i'll i'll go now all right. Go ahead, well, thank you very much, Alex. All right. Thank you both. Have a nice night. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. It's funny. It's one of the things that, that Alex touched on is, and and as a Bigfoot researcher and someone who's interested in, you know, the topic, I'll have people challenge challenge me as like, well, you know, how how uh, how do you know they're real? And well, if one piece of evidence isn't fake, misidentified, you know, uh, hoaxed, it, it only takes one piece of evidence, footprint, sightings, and, uh, you know, hair samples, that all this stuff, if if one of them is real, there's something that actually exists. So um, right. that'll usually it's, shut up most skeptics when when I, you know, I said, go look, go go read yeah. the stories, you know, that, that all these people can't be lying, misidentifying, you know, it's it just, there's a preponderance right. and, of evidence. If you look. And something to add to Alex's uh, character is this. Uh, this this sighting, uh, I, I, I've seen it uh, I've seen it around. It, it's been out there for years, okay? I, I re- personally reached out to Alex to join us on the show. I think he seemed a little hesitant at first. Um, uh, and, and he wasn't looking. He was originally, when I read the report, looked like he was looking to uh, just to share it. And so when I read, it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is this is really interesting." And so I reached out to Alex and, and finally got him to join us on the show. I know it was hard for him to do. I know it was. Uh, you know, just because someone has a certain type of encounter doesn't mean everybody. You know, people have multiple types of when they have an encounter, multiple types. Doesn't mean everybody's willing to share. Doesn't mean everybody reacts the same or has the same sort of encounter. Some people look at it differently. You talk to people who see a bear, some run. Some stand, some, you know, uh, are just in awe, some can't move. Same thing with a Sasquatch. It's the same sort of setup and scenario. Even though Sasquatch is uh, unproven and unknown, it's the same sort of uh, scenario when it comes to these sightings. And so I was really, I'm really stoked and honored that that Alex agreed to join us. And I hope we did Alex uh, an honor and and did him well. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening, Alex, because truly, if, if everything is factual, truly remarkable encounter. 
And uh, I mean, especially since it was albino. I, I mean, that to me is just, it's super rare. And if you're going to hoax and you're going to lie, that, to me, drawing up an albino, uh, you know, as as a report and sharing that is, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, his demeanor and, and his, his uh, the way that he presented himself to, to not, uh, to me, come off as disingenuous. I mean, he, to me, he sounded like he believed what he was telling us. So yeah, thanks again, exactly. Alex, for, for joining us. And uh, I I know that uh, there actually is a book um, by a local uh, author, The Oregon Bigfoot Highway by uh, Joe Bielart and Cliff Olson that you might want to pick up. It's, it's not exactly on where you had your encounter, but... Uh, on the on the Clackamas uh, Riverside, yeah. there's a lot. They they uh, there's a a group of uh, people that have been going out and have a lot of encounter stories and, and a lot of and and that's a great read. So I'll plug Joe's yeah. Joe and Cliff's book a little bit because I I really enjoyed it and uh, I think that would be something that Alex might be interested in. So yeah, and, and the that Bigfoot Highway, that book by Joel Behart, it, it actually is all around that area and some. It's basically right. the greater part of the Mount Hood National Forest, uh, uh, all the way up to uh, parts of Salem. I mean, it's it's a uh, really well. Uh, it's a great book, and it has uh, a lot of uh, you know history and knowledge in there with encounters. Um, and mm-hmm. is uh, and you know I the book. The book, if you're uh, into Sasquatch, is invaluable in a lot of ways. Uh, a lot of uh, knowledge there, and Joe Bielhart and uh, whatnot did a great job. So, yeah. So, our next guest is actually um, we have two guests that are coming on, and uh, Mike Richberg and Doreen Fisher, and they're going to tell us a little bit about. Uh, ironically, um, Mike's encounter took place in the same year that Alex's did in 1978. Um, he encountered mm-hmm. a swamp ape um, as as a young young boy, and uh, they are also the um, hosts of the new Monster X Endeavor Monster X Radio Animal Extent, and uh, which is going to actually look at. Um, other mysterious animals and cryptids that that uh, we don't cover on Monster X Radio, um, and they just had their first show uh, with Scott Martis this last Wednesday, and uh, if it was, I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, it's funny because I know a lot of uh, my friends that are into Bigfoot are interested in Bigfoot are are also interested in in other mysterious animals and. Uh, it was cool for me to be able to sit and listen to it as a, as a, uh, just as a listener, and uh, it w- it was um, fascinating. They talked about, uh, uh, you know, basically relic ples- plesiosaurs, and yeah, uh, plesiosaurs. Scott was, yeah, and and Scott is uh, been studying um, that topic for a long time, and uh, it it was it it was. Uh, a great uh, show to kick off uh, Animal Extent. So, and uh, without further ado, I'd like to to uh, bring Mike and uh, Doreen on. Yeah, well, they're with us now. Mike, Hello. welcome, Doreen. Welcome, guys. Congratulations on your 
your first uh, Monster X Radio Animal extent. Like I, you probably heard me bragging on you, so. <laughs> Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it it was a a great kickoff to um, that endeavor. So. Well, we appreciate that. Mike, yeah, we had a lot of fun I, doing it. I'm going to start with you. I'll pick on you first. Um, why don't you tell? You had an encounter. Um, Back in, it's ironically that it was also 1978, the, the same year as Alex's encounter, um, in an entirely different part of the country. Uh, can you share that that uh, encounter with the listeners? Sure, I'd love to. You have to forgive me. I've been a little under the weather recently. Uh, the uh, encounter did indeed occur in the same year, 1978, and that's kind of what got me started down this whole path for me personally. Uh, although I was twice his age at the time, I was still uh, ill-prepared for what I encountered in a swamp in South Carolina in 1978 while hunting. I was armed with an automatic shotgun uh, in the process of deer hunting and encountered what I would call a swamp ape or a Bigfoot-type animal or creature one morning in the fall of 1978 that was a completely terrifying experience for myself. And I really appreciate Alex coming on this evening to share with us what he experienced and then, you know, subsequent, you know, how he kind of dealt with that. And I really related to how he didn't really have a lot of people to talk to about it and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it can weigh heavy on you, man. I mean, that thing messed my head up a little bit. So I know what it's like kind of in, in that sense. But I did experience uh, quite the encounter. Uh, I was deer hunting early one morning in the fall of 78. And uh, I was at the Congaree River in eastern or central South Carolina. I had my back to the river on the south side of the river, a place called Devil's Orchard. It's a bay. It's a, it's a Carolina bay, and it's about the most westerly bay you can find uh, in the area. But it's right there at the Congaree, and the Congaree kind of flows around the rim of it, so to speak, the little sand rim of this bay. And it's quite a thick growth in there. So I walked to the riverbank basically that morning, or approximately top of the riverbank, to the edge, turn around and look back across the semi-open area where I might hope to get a shot on a deer. And uh, it was a dog drive, so the concept was we would string uh, standards out down the river every so, you know, often, you know, so far apart with shotguns and then turn dogs loose at some point and try to box in the deer. And uh, that tactic that morning led me to a place where I was the most southeasterly stander uh, down on the river than my father being the next person up from me at quite some range, probably at least 100 yards, maybe 200 yards across a, a large cut. And at the mouth of this cut right there at the river was an island. Now, that morning, I was not thinking about that island at all or anything like that. 
I just walked in there and turned around, tried to get in position to engage in the deer hunt. Well, when my back was to the river, and I could hear something kind of get up out of the water over my left shoulder down in the riverbank. And I figured it to be a big deer, probably. So that was all good. And I heard it come up the riverbank. When it got to the top of the riverbank, kind of gathered in a little thick wild growth there, and I couldn't see it. It was pretty close to me at this time, but I couldn't really make contact visually. I could hear it better than anything. And it made a noise kind of like a human. And that's when I got to thinking, maybe this wasn't a normal wildlife situation right here or something. And uh, not long after that, it walked out where I could see it, kind of out in front of me, quartering away from me. And when at first it was the color of a black bear, and I looked and I seen that thing, and I looked straight at the ear, the little round ear on his head, and I said, that ain't no bear right there. And bears don't walk up right, and that ain't no bear here. And it just kind of hit me like, I don't know, you know, I ain't got an explanation for what I'm looking at. And that's the same kind of thing I felt like Alex was trying to express earlier, and I really kind of related that a lot. You don't know how to quantify what you see it because you hadn't been taught about anything like this or whatever, you know, in the course of school or whatever. And uh, that thing walked on out there, and I had a loaded shotgun, and my knees was buckling, and I was scared to death. And I almost shot the thing out of just sheer stupidity and fear. I was so scared I didn't know what to do. And uh, I, the one thing is it never turned around and looked at me, and I'm real grateful for that because I was already plenty afraid. And he walked out there where he could smell where I walked in at, and he kind of put his head down just a little bit and hesitated for a moment and then angled off another way. But as he walked through the brush, that was another thing that struck me was the hand. I saw a hand, you know, moving branches out of the way and stuff like that. It wasn't a bear paw or anything like that. Now, there was a lot of growth in there, and I couldn't really see so good from the waist down at all, really. But I seen what I seen, and it really shook me up. And then I hightailed on out there after just a little while. You know, I didn't mess around with hunting too much for a long time after that. And I didn't really tell nobody about it. And, uh, one thing led to another, though, and I'm a real curious person. I ended up going back in the woods and all and going back hunting, you know, with a high-powered rifle, getting in a deer stand where I felt nice and safe with a sub-millimeter. Figured if I could drop anything right on up to about a rhino, but I'd be pretty good to go on that. But, uh, man, that thing shook me up, and, and I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to about it, but I got over it, and I'm glad to see Alex is sharing his experience and, and, and dealing with it in that way and everything. And I know it was traumatic for him. It was very traumatic for me. But that was the event that kind of started it all for me, personally. And, of course, since then, there's been a few other things I've been involved with, but that was like the trigger mechanism. Now, I was already predispositioned to have a curiosity about things like paranormal activity or UFOs or something like that. But when this happened, uh, I was very, very much from then on interested in cryptozoology in general and specifically Bigfoot, but all things crypto. Yeah. And, Mike, you had – so you had a little bit different response to your encounter, uh, not initially. Initially, you – I mean, I'm comparing this to Alex's or Alex's report encounter. 
whereas you you did spend a significant amount of time not you know time not going back out to the woods whereas he will he won't venture out period he has no interest and i find that interesting because a lot of people they take different avenues once they've had confirmation or an encounter that they couldn't explain some will never go back to the woods some will uh take a long period of time off and 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 not go back to the woods for a while but eventually end up back there and some other some other others just go straight back out there they're like whoa got to figure this out yeah and, and yeah, it just took me a few years it was a good two maybe three years before i finally decided if i was in a tree stand with somebody else not too far away in another tree stand and we got high-powered rifles you know maybe I got a fighting chance for one not to grab me <laughs> straight, you know, right up anyway. But, uh, yeah, man, that thing shook me up. But I'm so curious. I want to get back in the woods, and I'm just the kind of person that loves nature in the woods and all that type of thing anyway. But uh, I was real curious to know about what other people have seen maybe and what, you know, was there other people that seen the same thing I did and near there and, and or in South Carolina in general and, you know, just a general curiosity about the whole thing. Of course, about a decade after that's when the Lizard Man Escape Force Swamp broke out. And, oh, I was all about that. I was, like, driving over there on the weekend. You know, it was only about an hour, hour and a half drive from the house, depending on where I was staying at. But uh, I spent a lot of time, you know, looking around uh, the Bishopville Escape Force Swamp area, and I got very interested in that phenomenon. And that was in the late 80s, about 88. In 89, I was heavy into that. And yeah. uh, that was when it was peaking, so to say. Uh, now, I think there was something to all that, and I think a bunch of it was a bunch of junk, you know, obviously, and still is. But there was something to all that, in my, mm-hmm. you know, unprofessional opinion, so to speak. Well, and, well, you've gained some, you have some interesting ideas about about that and about you know uh, you, you I when you when I first met you you started you you kind of brought me to uh, something into light for me was something called the hide behind which I you know I've talked about before on the show but is very interesting and it goes back to the native americans can you touch upon that and then also you mentioned the the moss that grows in this area and, and you know, being in the water and stuff, what it can do to an animal to make it maybe possibly look lizard-like. Oh yeah, uh, indeed. I can uh, elaborate on that a little bit. Uh, yeah. Many years ago, in a nutshell, I basically came up with the idea that the dog man is not a dog at all. It's a primate with a snout and a tail and canine-like teeth. Primate canine. Much like a, a baboon or a lemur or other primates, perhaps. Uh, now, quite a quite large one, if that is indeed the case. The reason I came to kind of believe that is for a lot of different things, but mainly the Native Americans or the First Nations people of this country and even European settlers... Uh, they would come here and back, you know, up until, you know, pretty recently, until the industrial age, anyway. Uh, 
they had different names for things. They everybody kind of you know related to things as they knew to relate to them. Now Native Americans here and all you European settlers basically have been exposed to canine entities, as in you know uh, wolves, coyotes, what have you. And if you put that in perspective, what if everybody in North America had migrated from Africa and they were also familiar with baboons and other primates that looked a lot like maybe the report sometimes of the so-called dogman. And I got to looking around, and it seems like the dogman got his name basically because that's what we knew to relate it to. Now, depending on where you at, everybody's got a different name for this thing. Now, a lot of European settlers, like say if you was from uh, England, you would call it maybe the hide behind. If you were a family that came over from, say, France, maybe you call it the Lugaru or the Rougarou based on uh, legends of entails of the French werewolf-type entity that it very much would resemble. Because of its canine-like features, it also just happened to correspond, possibly, with a potential primate species. So... I've very much been all about researching the hide behind or the wolf ape or the dog man or whatever you want to call him for many years. And when I got, that kind of started when I got involved with the lizard man thing because I did find some tracks. But what I found wasn't, it wasn't like tracks. I mean, you know, I had this preconceived notion that I'm looking for something that looks like a gator track or a dinosaur or something. You know, if I'm looking for a lizard man, you know, I, I mean, you know, based on public's common perception at the time. Now, what I did find didn't look like that at all. It looked a lot like a human footprint, but with three toes. It looked a lot like some tracks that was found near Fark, Arkansas many years ago. Particularly one cast that was made in a field. So I'm of the notion that maybe this thing ain't a lizard at all, and there might be some of this misidentification going on. Now, what we do have sometimes is cases where certain animals spend a lot of time in and around the water, and they can develop algae growth in their, on their skin and their hair and stuff like that. Some slow-moving animals particularly have an issue with this, like sloths and stuff, but there are plenty of cases where primates get algae growth in their hair, thus giving them green hair. Now, one of the most prominent witnesses in the whole lizard man case was indeed Christopher Davis. Now, he described the animal and others described animals having green hair. Now, you know, that don't directly seem to correspond to a lizard to me, maybe more like a mammal-type entity or something. But there's a lot of variance for interpretation there. He said the, the face looked like it had scales and the feet and whatever. Uh, he did know, however, that the animal seemed to have three claws on his hand, three fingers per se, rather than four. Uh, opposite the thumb, that is to say. Now, of course, that's one of the long-associated 
characteristics or of morphology associated with the so-called high behind, three fingers and three toes, when you, you know, read about it and it counts in the past and stuff like that. So I thought that was an interesting correlation. And certainly, you know, there's room for interpretation there, but if you really start looking at descriptions of most of the accounts of the lizard man, it was either straight up sounding like a Sasquatch or it sounded like this baboon-type animal a lot of times. So there was a lot of variance in that, but I have this theory that maybe the lizard man was a dog man, and maybe the dog man is really a primate and not a dog, so to right. speak, in so many words. No, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting take on it, and in, in, in theory and hypothesis idea uh, on on the subject matter. When you told me that, I kind of had to look into it a little bit more and try to put, wrap myself around it, and it's very plausible. Um, you know, given what transpired then, what's transpiring now. Um, I mean, this area in general, uh, an area that you had your encounter as well, what's the history? Is there a lot of sightings uh, then and now? Well, yes, indeed. Uh, It turns out the state of South Carolina, it does, in fact, in general, have a long history of different types of strange critters and, and stuff reported over the years. Uh, and I've, of course, personally been interested in many of those over the last three or three and a half decades now, kind of investigating a number of things here in South Carolina, uh, so-called legendary beasts or what have you, uh, everything from the Fort Mott Devil to the Watery Walking Bear to the Remini Goat Thief, the Lake Murray Monster, uh, even up North Carolina, the Lake Norman Monster, various reports of things like giant snakes. And, of course, uh, one thing that that I've also witnessed with my own eyes was oversized or giant birds. Mm-hmm. Also, about the time frame the Lizard Man thing was going on, approximately in the late summer or early fall of 1989, I was traveling down Highway 21 South in South Carolina, about first light, south of Roseville, South Carolina, uh, closing in on Yuma Street. And I went down a long straightaway, and I went kind of around a slight bend in the road, and there was another long straightaway. And way down the road, I could see a bunch of deer jumping around, only because I could see them white-tailed deer, I could see the white of those tails kind of bouncing around in the road, and I knew just kind of from seeing white fluttering around up there in the road, well, it probably was a bunch of deer that got spooked or something, mm-hmm. either by a car or a hunter or what have you. So I'm traveling along about road speed, and uh, I guess, you know, 55 or 60, I ain't trying to go too fast because there's deer all in the swamp there, and I'm traveling parallel with the Combahee River. You know, there's plenty of deer all in there. I didn't want to get, you know, T-boned or nothing. But I'm cruising through there about normal speed, and there was something in my lane up there I kept looking at, trying to size it up as I got close to it, and I couldn't ever figure out what I was looking at. And as I got closer, it looked to me, it was too big to be a man or a dog or anything like that. It looked like a horse with a tarp throwed over it for a minute, about the size and shape roughly as I was closing in. It wasn't quite broad daylight either. And I got to that thing, and I had to start slowing down. And it looked up at me and kind of flared its wings out, and I realized what I was looking at. It was an eagle 
but it was the biggest daggone eagle I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it turned around on top of a deer, just hopping around at a 180, re-grabbed a deer, and took off with a deer kind of right in front of my very eyes. There were people in the car that I was trying, in the truck, excuse me, I was trying to wake up. Uh, my best buddy woke up, and he didn't get his glass on time to really get a good solid ID. But he would confirm what he saw at least was the size of a hang glider with a man hanging up. But what I saw was this deer hop around and grab, excuse me, the bird hop around and grab the deer up. And it took exactly three cycles of his wings before he had cleared a very tall hardwood swamp canopy and was traveling eastward with the deer in tow. Now, the deer wasn't a full-grown deer now. Uh, it was one of the smaller coastal deer we have in that area, and it was just past the age of being a fawn, per se. So it was half-grown or whatever, but maybe still yet a 50-pound deer, which was pretty impressive in its own right. But when the thing opened up its wings, one wingtip was over the center line of Highway 21, and one wingtip was over in the grass. So that tells me right there I wasn't looking at no normal size eagle. I got a good look at this thing. I had to slow down to keep from hitting it. I don't know if I came to a complete stop, but I came really close to one loop. And that really made a big impact. So that also happened in the late 80s. But so by the time, you know, the Bigfoot encounter, the Lizard Man research, I saw the Big Bird, I was hooked on crypto for life, and I just kind of always been doing this type of thing and interviewing eyewitnesses and trying to conduct my own field investigation of different things and my own exploration and trying to find my own little bit of evidence or clues about, you know, the answers I see. So it's been quite a little trip to get here, but I'm kind of locked in, I guess. Yeah, I think you're locked in. Uh, I want to get to Drain here uh, in a second, but, you know, one of the uh, things mentioned in the chat room that uh, I know that I've personally researched uh, because of some of these reports, specifically with the Lizard Man and whatnot, um, was the fact that in Purple Rose, and our chat room mentioned this, uh, was that sloths, uh, you know, which are, you know, South American and whatnot, have uh, moss and algae growing on them. And doing, having done research, you know, and it may not apply, it may apply to some of these reports, but, you know, sloths have this algae that grows on them, on their fur, um, which can be used as camouflage and as food. But also, you know, the reason it grows on them is because they move so dang slow. I mean, that's just, you know, yeah. the thing. But in some of these uh, really wet areas, these real swampy areas, uh, it may be a possibility, as a hypothesis or idea, that something uh, Sasquatch-related, you know, like the hide behind or any of these things, that or the report of Lizman reports, they were looking at something that had moss on them. Something I, I've been trying to wrap my head around as a possibility for the color and, and some of the other features given. But, you know, uh, we can look at nature and go, okay, well, sloths, you know, have, for a fact, do have algae grow on them, on their fur, and they do appear green at times. So I, I just find it very they interesting do. as what we can look at towards nature. Some primates do as well, Shane. And yeah. that's something that's worth consideration there. And it has to do with how much you're into water more than anything, I think. But the slow-moving part definitely plays 
a roll. And, of course, it's all kind of like, you know, duckweed and stuff growing in the, in the rivers and, and streams and lakes around here, and there's no telling. I could come up out the swamp looking pretty woolly sometimes if I came out covered in duckweed or something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, well, uh, Doreen, I want to kind of steer uh, towards you now and, and uh, talk to you for a bit. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Really enjoying the show and uh, enjoying the conversation with our first guest, Alex, and Mike yeah. now. And so, uh, kind of shifting gears here and, and bringing in Drain Fisher here, uh, who will be uh, who's with the Crypto Crew, a well-known uh, cryptologic group that provides a great uh, service to community and, and has you know fantastic reports, write-ups, and a blog. And I'm excited to have you. Join Mike on Animal Extant, and uh, I mean, what are your thoughts? Are you excited, and uh, you know, about this whole this whole this whole thing that's been kind of uh, thrown your way? <laughs> yeah, it has been thrown my way. I am really stoked about it. Uh, it seems like everything has happened all at once, but I'm really enjoying it. There's just uh, well, I've always had a lot to say, so I guess I'm eventually going to get to say it all on the radio this time. So that's really great. Um, and I'm really in awe of you guys and your stories. It's, uh, you know, I've got a story too, but it's not nearly as exciting and creepy as <laughs> what you guys have been telling me. And <laughs> Alex's story was really, really profound. Lots of interesting details that are a real curiosity to me that uh, you can really tell that he really, um, he felt what he saw. And mm-hmm. it was real and there is, no doubt about it that he did see a Bigfoot and he knows they're real and you just, I mean, you could feel what he was feeling when he was telling it. It was really, really a great interview. Yeah, absolutely. One of my one of my favorite uh, encounter stories that we've had on the show now, and I just, you could feel it and you know that he saw something. You know he saw what he at what he was describing it's pretty even at a young age it, it, profound as it was uh, left me appreciating him joining us but green you know uh, you said you had a little bit of an encounter uh not as exciting but that's fine uh that's just <laughs> that that's this field in general do you mind to yeah tell the audience a little they're bit all, about uh they're all exciting. Your, uh, yeah they're all exciting <laughs> yeah <laughs> Well, I kind of had more of a gradual entry into this world. Um, I usually blame my mother for this. She started me out. Uh, she was watching old episodes. Well, they weren't old at the time. They were new. Uh, episodes of In Search Of, uh, a lot of Bigfoot documentaries. There weren't so many back then, but uh, everyone that was on, she turned them on. And, of course, I sat and watched them with her. And she kind of got me hooked on the whole idea at a very early age. But uh, I was always the type of kid that was outside running around, uh, oftentimes in the woods. I'm from a river town in Illinois. Um, Basically, there wasn't anything to do except run around, play at the river, play in the woods. And uh, I was just that kind of a kid. But uh, I guess things really didn't get started full force for me until later on um, when I was, so this was probably 15 years ago now, 
But anyway, I was in Canada with some friends at their cabin. This is up around, uh, this is in western Ontario near Kenora on Lake of the Woods. And uh, I needed something in my truck outside, and it was nighttime. And uh, for some reason, I didn't think anything about just walking out in that dark driveway. No lights out there. We were way, way out. And I just walked out to the truck with a flashlight, got my stuff out of the truck, uh, shut the door and stood there for a minute, and I heard a really guttural whooping noise um, coming from the woods not too far away from where I was standing. And kind of gave me a chill. I got a weird, weird feeling about it, but I wasn't sure why. And I went back inside and I told everyone that I just heard Bigfoot out in the woods. I don't know what made me say it, but that's what I said when I went in. Of course, they had a big laugh about the whole thing and we finished our evening and nobody said much more about it. However, the next day, we were all getting ready to go for a boat ride on the lake. We were down at the dock, and we were all laughing, talking, and all of a sudden, we heard a noise up on the hill. It was like a rustling tree. There was no wind that day, so, of course, we're looking up there to see what this noise was, and there was this full-grown tree. I think it was a pine tree, and it looked like something was shaking it. And being a big tree, we're like, well, you know, they're saying it must be an elk or maybe it's a bear or something up there. So we were kind of standing there watching it. And it shook it again. I mean, really violently shaking this big trunked tree. And then it didn't do it again. So we kind of stood there and watched for a minute to make sure it didn't happen again, which it didn't. And we went about our business. But... I wondered about that and wondered about that and went about my business for quite a long time. But uh, when I got home, I went on Facebook. I'd never been on Facebook in my life, and I was kind of bored with it, actually. There was nothing going on with any of my friends, so I actually... Uh, got on there and liked a few Bigfoot sites, and the Crypto Crew was one of them. And Tom Markham, the founder, was looking for writers, or looking for researchers, anybody that wanted to do anything with him. He wanted people to share and help him out with the website, and I offered to write for him because that's what I do. And the rest is history there. But as far as my encounter, I did not have any encounter until after it had been a long time uh, that I'd been involved with the Bigfoot community. It's not like a it's not like a real encounter led me here. It's like it happened afterwards. And a couple of years ago, I was in a research area of mine in Illinois. That is on a big river, and there is a canyon that goes down into the river. And I was just going to hike on this morning. I wasn't trying to do anything really important. I was going to take a few pictures because I do a lot of photography, had my camera with me, was ready to go for whatever was going to happen. But 
I got out of my truck that morning and was headed to the trail that I was going to take. And as soon as I got out of my truck, there was the weirdest feeling. There was no noise. And I've heard a lot of other witnesses describe this. No noise in the woods whatsoever. We're talking about the sun is just about to come up. Uh, There's not a bird or anything moving in the woods. And I stood there for a minute thinking, well, that's really strange because I'd been out there enough to know that that's strange. But I went ahead and I started down my trail. And all of a sudden, I heard this giant crashing noise, like wood against wood. And I'm not talking a stick against a stick. I'm talking about a tree trunk against a tree trunk. It was a loud, crashing sound. And all of a sudden the deer in the woods started circling in the area. I could hear them. I knew what they sounded like, and it was deer running around in circles in the area around me. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? So I stood still for a minute. And it kind of calmed down for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, I heard a crashing noise again, the same noise. And all of a sudden, here go the deer around in circles again. And for some reason, I don't know why, I just decided I was going to go ahead and walk down the trail and do what I had intended to do. But when I got to where I was going down into the canyon, it's kind of a steep canyon, but I know a trail down there. I got to that spot and I started to walk down the trail, down the canyon, And I got vertigo. And I never, ever get vertigo. Never had that in my life. And it kind of threw me for a loop. And I got a few steps down and I decided, I don't think I better do this. I might be dangerous. So I go back up the top of the hill. And I stand there for a minute. And I'm looking around because there's like this weird energy I'm feeling can't describe it, almost maybe like, I don't know, electromagnetic, something like that, just weird, weird energy. I get a weird feeling, and I'm standing there looking around like I think I should be seeing something, but I'm not. I'm not seeing a thing. And as I'm standing there, all of a sudden, a stick whizzes past my head. I mean, just inches from my ear. I could hear it whistle. It was so close. And I stood still for a minute, and I thought, okay, you know, branches fall off trees all the time. Not a big deal. Stood there for a few seconds more. Another stick whizzes past the other side of my head, just inches from the other side of my head. And by then, I'm thinking, hmm, something weird is going on. Because I had my, you know, I'm in my Bigfoot head all the time. I was in the community. I was involved with the research. You know, I already was in that mindset anyway. So I'm thinking, well, I need to look around and see if I can see this thing. Even though I didn't really want to see it, I thought, you know, well, if I'm going to see it, today's going to be the day. Looked around, never did see a thing. But... After these two sticks go whizzing past my head, just almost missing me, I decide maybe I'd better leave. 
I just have this weird feeling that maybe I don't need to be here. And it wasn't a scared feeling, nothing like that. It was just like, eh, maybe today's not my day. I need to go home. Well, so I started back up the trail toward where my truck was parked, and all of a sudden, another crashing noise. And the deer are moving around. I could hear them running around in circles, still couldn't see them. So I started moving faster up the trail. And when I did, I heard all this activity in the woods, didn't know what the noises were, but I turned to look and see if I could see anything. And when I did, two deer, two fawns, I put my hand out, both of my hands out actually, and two fawns, one actually stuck their nose in each one of my hands. And as soon as they did that, one ran down the hill, the other ran up the hill, but neither one of them ran back to where they'd come from. And there was no mother in sight. She, I did, never did see a full-grown doe, just the two fawns. Now, a lot of people have said this was not a Bigfoot encounter, and they may be right. But I kind of feel that something happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can't say for sure, but there's no animal in the woods that makes crashing noises like that at 5.30 in the morning, for one thing. There are no people out there. That's why I go out there that early. Nobody's out there. And, you know, I've seen other strange things out in the woods that happen at that time of the morning. I think it's a good time of the morning. But what I think happened, and people, you know, can think what they want, but what I think happened is I interrupted a hunt. And I will probably take that to my grave, but the feeling I had there was a strange feeling. The energy in the air was really weird. It's very hard to describe, but something was up, and it wasn't no coyote chasing deer. There was something else going on. Coyote don't crash wood against wood and scare it's deer to death like sticks. that. Exactly. You know, you know, I can say that <laughs> sticks, you know, fall out of the trees. You know, little branches fall off the trees all the time. But this came toward me and was past my ear, and it happened twice. And the only thing out there with hands is humans. And there were no humans out there at that time. It was too what? early. It was still partly dark. Right. What What month? So, what you know? You described it being at five thirty in the morning. But what month did this occur in? This was in August. Actually. August. Okay. Yeah, I believe. It was in the summer. I used to go out a lot because it was hotter later on in the day, too. But if anything was going to, if anything interesting was going to be found, it seemed like to me it was going to be found early in the morning for some reason. For one thing, no people around. If you're going to see a lot of wildlife, I take a lot of wildlife photos. If you're going to see the wildlife, it's going to be early in the morning. They're acting more like they normally would, you know, without people around so that's a lot of the reason i do it 
and you know, well, it's all very interesting. It, but it disturbed me for a couple of weeks because I kind of knew what had happened to me. And I was lucky enough, you know, not like Mike and Alex, where there wasn't anybody for me to tell. I had a lot of people to tell. I published it on our website and basically just let everybody know. And, you know, telling everybody the details of it, they believe that that's what happened also. Mm-hmm. And well, I still believe in the that. Morning, uh, 5.30 in the morning in August, is that daylight? Uh, I mean, I mean. That is right before daylight. It was still a bit dark, but it was light enough that I could walk down into a canyon. Gotcha. But I I felt that I could outside of I had vertigo and didn't feel like it was a good idea at that moment for whatever reason that happened. But I've also heard other witnesses talk about cases of vertigo or strange feelings like that. So after the fact, I didn't think about it then, but after the fact, I'm like, vertigo, really? You know, a lot of people talk about that. Yeah. And just putting all the pieces together, you know, I might be wrong, but... But you're willing to admit that. You may be wrong, but yet you've never experienced anything like that before. right? Right. Never. I've had strange things happen, but not to that degree. I've uh, been in situations where deer have run past me at high speed, nearly knocked me down. What were they running from? Um, I've heard large cracking noises and footsteps like uh, something on two feet type of footsteps that would stop every time I would stop, you know, and stuff like that, but nothing to this degree. Yeah, you so, know, I was I, I was out I was out uh two two weeks ago and was up about the same time. It was about five thirty in the morning. I went for a walk, left my camp. And I was the only one up, so I left my camp and went to go collect some recorders I'd placed out and just go for a nice walk early morning. It wasn't raining so I was happy and decided to go for a walk mm-hmm. and uh was walking along a trail and started hearing, hearing this huge crashing noise. And uh, couldn't make out if it was what was going on. Couldn't tell if it, something was bipedal or quadrupedal. I couldn't tell. But I ran up there, and I had my camera ready. I'm like, oh, you know, what is going on here? And get around the corner, and there's a uh, uh, doe going down the hill. Uh, you know, I barely caught him. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a chance to get him on my camera or recorder. But I see him go around the corner and was like, wow. I mean, they made a lot of noise, but yet – uh, you know, in hindsight, I was thinking, well, you could kind of tell they were caught quadrupedal. They weren't walking bipedally. I mean, that was to mm-hmm. me. And you so, can tell. Uh, you can tell, right. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got excited in the moment because it's early morning. I'm walking along a trail and hear something crashing. I had spooked basically a couple of doe, and, uh, but they ran off. They didn't stop. They, they just mm-hmm. booked it. They never stopped. They booked it. I mean, eventually probably stopped. I'd until they got out of distance, but they never stopped. And that's one of the things, you know, it's interesting about your report right now, your encounter, is that, you know, something kind of stopped and, you know, did its thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, you know, what you say, uh, this crashing noise, now this was, I you know, I analyzed the whole thing. I went over and over again in my mind after that to try and decide, you know, could this be anything else? 
But this crashing noise was, it was a scary noise. I mean, it, it kind of shook me up a little bit. But, you know, you hear trees fall from time to time and, you know, things happen and deer do make a lot of noise sometimes. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I Maybe it was nothing, but I just don't feel that it was nothing. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, feelings have no validity, but I think they do. And I think anybody that's had an encounter would say the same because there is definitely a weird feeling that goes with it, and you just kind of know. And we kind of downplay human instinct, but human instinct is there for a reason. And I think we all kind of need to pay, to pay more attention to that and listen to it and believe it. So, but uh, that would be what we'd call a Class B encounter, if that's what it was. But uh, a lot of Class B encounters that have been described to me have been very similar in that respect. You know, the, the, a lot of people say, well, it was a louder noise than what I normally hear. Um, things were different than they normally are when I'm out there. Um, and then I've heard other things that made me wonder, you know, that brought me up to the point that this happened. And you know what I'm saying? They yeah. know that the situation is different, but they can't quite put their finger on it. So, and that's kind of what the way it was with me. So, right, and I always love hearing reports from people, you know, those that visit the woods, uh, not just periodically, but almost religiously, uh, especially from hunters or avid hikers, you know, when you're, and I fully believe this personally, when you're you're in the woods constantly or a lot, you kind of mm-hmm. get a sense of your surroundings, uh, what's out there, and I think your senses really kind of hone in on yes. what's you know, trouble or, or non-trouble or just, you know, odd circumstances. Well, you, yeah, you know what's normal and you know what isn't. And when I step out of my truck and I step into the woods and there isn't anything making a sound <clears throat> at all, you know, I first have to wonder about that. You know, that's the first thing that came to mind is, okay, this is very odd. But you kind of dismiss it like, you know, well... That might be nothing. I mean, right. that's what we do. We we try to try to give some reason to ourselves and our minds, but then other things happen, and you have to start thinking a little differently about it. And Correct. that's the way it happens sometimes, and that's how people get their paradigms completely shifted around. And you know, after they've had a sighting. Um, messes with your head but it also changes the way you view your world and yeah it's a pretty profound thing really so but uh well, you know i'd had uh, my grandfather telling me of wild man stories i mean i grew up with all that kind of stuff too i mean you know i'd go hiking in the woods i'd tell him i was going hiking and he'd say watch out for the wild man and you know i thought he was kidding me of course trying to keep me from walking around in the woods but I wish before he died I'd gotten a few more details, but of course I didn't. But uh you know, I often talk to old woodsmen and and men who've been hunting for years and years and years and if you can get them to open up a little bit about 
you know, what they've seen out there, um, it's interesting to hear some of the stories. And then you talk to others from other places and you compare their stories and there are a lot of similarities in what they've seen. So, you know, not everybody's lying. There's something to it. Well, that's, so. I, I like this. I, it's interesting because the 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 context with the stick throwing and the the deer running. I mean, it's it's one thing by itself wouldn't have been you know as compelling, but you have several circumstances mm-hmm. going on that. So, but exactly. Mike and, and Doreen, thank you, thank you for sharing your guys' encounters. I want to talk Thanks, a little guys. bit about about uh, your new endeavor. You you. Uh, I uh, have joined Monster X and uh, or had your first uh, animal extent last Wednesday. And uh, let's talk a little bit about about future plans for uh, for animal extent. This is really this sure. came out of Mike. I know Mike's excited to talk about it. He uh, um, this is his brain. He's got child, it all basically. graphed out. <laughs> <laughs> I am not surprised. So tell us a little bit about Well, I do like the, my little list and charts and stuff. I, I have to admit, yeah, that's just, as long he as I can still list. see to do them. I do have some lists. I do. But but that last show last week was a pleasure to do with both Doreen and Scott. Uh, yeah. I can't very speak enough about uh, how great Scott was and how interesting the topic is to all of us. Uh, that, of course, is just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. The show hopes to bring you a similar discussion on a wide variety of similar type of subjects uh, in the future, such as giant birds, uh, the possibility of relic dinosaurs or something else in the Congo, uh, relic pterosaurs, uh, thylacine, lizard man, dog man, you name it. We're going to touch on a lot of different things. So we hope to bring uh, that little bit of twist in there that's not necessarily directly related to Bigfoot, but yet pertains to cryptozoology that many of us do, do uh, have an interest in. The dark underbelly of cryptozoology. <laughs> the dark underbelly. We're not afraid. We'll go into the, into the depth. And I can't exactly. speak enough about what a pleasure it has been already working with Doreen and how great she's been and how well she's fit right into the family here at Monster X Radio. And I'm really excited about the future. I'm really uh, looking forward to, well, you're very welcome, Doreen, and and you've been great, and you got a lot of super great ideas. And quickly, uh, I want to mention before I hand it back to Gunnar that that you are involved in the Around the Campfire series. I apologize. I dropped out of audio for a minute. I don't know if you had mentioned that previously. Oh, that's uh, my new podcast series on youtube and you can find it our handle on youtube is crypto watch and this is one of my projects with the crypto crew and that is the crypto crew.com and you can like us on facebook but uh, basically uh, around the campfire is me talking about my philosophies about cryptozoology and the paranormal and i guess what i try to do is focus on how things can be real, rather than trying to make people believe they're not real. Uh, Whatever crazy thing people say is, I'm going to find a way that it could 
be possible. Let's put it that way. So. Well, you certainly provoke a lot of interesting thought, and, and we'll make sure it gets out there. If nothing else, you can find it right here at Monster X Radio. Of course, there again, Animal X Dance is only going to be part of the new forthcoming content here on Monster X Radio. And, Gunnar, would you want to elaborate on that additional content as well while we still have a few minutes? Sure. I mean, one of the so we've been doing Monster X uh, for about three, four years now um, in different uh, in, in different format. Different people have been involved, and uh, and one of the things we had looked at is as uh, providing our members with with uh, more content uh, and and Animal Extent is is part of that reaching out into to other. Uh, I, I like to say mysterious animals, but you know, uh, undocumented or unconfirmed species. Uh, we're also going. What we're doing is we're going to be adding a, a subscription membership, and Animal Extent will be part of that, um, as well as uh, we're looking at doing a show on uh, Bigfoot biometrics, which will go into to patterns and and. Uh, uh, predictability and and a lot of if you're a, a numbers and data nerd which I am you're, that will be uh, something that you will enjoy. Uh, we're going to do a regular uh, Bigfoot Encounters show that will be part of the membership content. We have a lot of uh, stuff that uh, uh, we're planning on on uh, adding to the membership, the pay and, and uh, the subscription membership opportunity. So uh, that's something that's in the works. And uh, you got a taste of it with with Animal Extent last Wednesday. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, go back in the archives and catch it. Um, and going forward, we will uh, be doing uh, those three shows and a lot of other um, member content uh, live from different events. And uh, one of the other reports is is uh, we're going to do a field report show. Which I like to call uh, finding Bigfoot on steroids. So, uh, it, those are some of the things that we have in in uh, the works that uh, I hope people will be interested in. And if you like, like you said, we're going to um, do some some of those those different those different format of shows and uh, and share those with our our current members and and go from there. So. Um, and Mike and, and Doreen, I want to thank you guys for coming on and sharing your encounters and, and uh, sharing a little bit about uh, Animal Extent and what we're going to do in the future. we got just about a minute left here. Um, next week we're going to have Paul Hayes of the Genosqua Project uh, back on. Uh, it's been a while since we talked to Paul, so we're going to get an update on what's going on with the Genosqua Project. Uh, I also wanted to give a, a quick shout out to uh, Todd Neese, our friend uh, who had some surgery and is going back in, uh, has to go back in to have uh, a little bit more surgery tomorrow. So, Todd, uh, we're with you and hope wish you the best, buddy. And uh, for all of us here at Monster X, our, our new members, Mike and Doreen, uh, we thank you for joining us today. On And uh, again, to our guest, Alex, and uh, we thank you for joining us here on Monstrous Radio, and we will be back next Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern.
4 4 p.m. Pacific with Monster X Radio. Have a great week, everybody. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.